Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Barbara P., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February 12th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're on page two in Bill's story. The third paragraph, we gave up our positions, and off we roared on a motorcycle through one paragraph ending, leaving us with a profit of several thousand dollars for that year. Today's readers are Susan G. on the 12 Steps, Aaron K. on the 12 Traditions, Rick J. on the um, opening, reading our paragraph. Um, we are figuring out our closing reader. On our newcomer greeter is Pam S.R. Maria F. is our second hour host. And Kathy S. is doing our announcements. The reference number for yesterday, our Sunday special edition, is 21123-21123. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'll now ask Susan G. to read our 12 steps. Good morning, Susan G., Tennessee, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service, and I'll pass. Great. Thank you so much. 
Um, Susan G., Erin K., would you read our 12 traditions? I'd be happy to. Erin um, K., recovered compulsive overeater in Michigan. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems with money, property, or, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks so much, Erin Kay. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To press to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page two. In Bill's story, paragraph three, gave up our position and off we roared on a motorcycle through one paragraph ending leaving us with a profit of several thousand dollars for that year. I will ask Rick J to get us started. Uh, thank you so much for your service. Um, glad to be here with everybody. My name is Rick Jay. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. We gave up our positions and off we roared on a motorcycle, sidecar stuffed with tent blankets, a change of clothes, and three huge volumes of financial reference service. Our friends thought a lunacy commission should be appointed. Perhaps they were right. I had had some success at speculation, so we had a little money but we once worked on a farm for a month to avoid drawing on our small capital. 
That was the last honest manual labor on my part for many a day. We covered the whole eastern United States in a year. At the end of it, my reports to Wall Street procured me a position there and the use of a large expense account. The exercise of an option brought in more money, leaving us with a profit of several thousand dollars for that year. Wow, there's so much here. Oh my gosh. I mean, a whole book could be written about this this motorcycle adventure. And, um, you know, I... I love this. I mean, this is this is Bill, you know, he's got this idea, right, that he's developed this theory that we learned about. And, uh, you know, that uh, people who are investing in stocks need to have more information about what they're investing in. And this is the 20s. You know, it's 1925. And, uh, you know, the big 20s stock market boom is, you know, it's going on and people are making millions, you know, Um on paper. Um, And so there's a lot of people, you know, in the stocks. And so Bill is kind of what um, I guess a securities analyst would be. Uh, He investigates investments and, you know, looks at factories. That's what he wants to do and the managements. And then he reports back to investors. So this idea he has, it's coming into fruition now. And um, they've got a motorcycle, he and Lois, uh, 1916 Harley-Davidson J model uh, that they had purchased. It's uh, six years old, and it's got a sidecar with it, and it comes with a uh, with electric lights and a horn. Woohoo! And uh, they got it to go to the beach. So they load this thing up with all the stuff that they've just described here. And, you know, they take turns driving, and on the sidecar, they've got so much stuff in there that whoever's in the sidecar is basically sitting on top of all their supplies, and then Bill's got this big army trunk also on the back of the bike. I mean, I've loaded up my motorcycle for weekend trips and stuff, but nothing like this. Um, and so they're – off they go. They uh, they end up on that farm. Um, these people named the Goldfoots that, uh, you know, Bill's milking cows and uh, Lois is, she bought a cookbook and she's not really a cook, but she's cooking out of a cookbook and they they make some, you know, some decent money to keep them going. But one of the wildest things is that they were right next door to uh, General Electric Radio Research Lab, which Bill had a huge interest in. He literally walks over, kind of bullshits his way in with the people, learns about what they're doing, and he sees the future of radio, you know, I mean, including sound motion pictures and, you know, this incredible stuff. And he writes back these letters to one guy, Frank Shaw, who is the uh, best friend of uh, the husband of Lois's best friend. And they start trusting Bill. But during this time, he's still drinking, not as much. But he's still drinking. And his disease is starting to, to come into fruition here, and it's starting to cause a real problem, and it's scaring Lois. And one of the reasons that she wanted to go on this trip was to get him away from drinking. Didn't quite work, but uh, the obsession of the mind was taking a hold of Bill. We see more coming, and uh, with that, I pass. Oh, thanks so much, Rick J., for getting us started. What an exciting paragraph. Wow. So we're going to go ahead and take um, readers who would, who or 
sharers who would like to share today. There'll be three-minute shares, and I'll be timing. So, yeah, please. And one more just reminder, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share. might share their experience, too. So go ahead. Ready for names. Tanya D. Tanya. Leia S. S. Mm-hmm. Leia. Tamara C. Tamara. Gotcha. Miriam J. from Massachusetts. Miriam. Good morning. Victoria L. Victoria. Gotcha. All right, that's a great place to start. Tanya D, Leah S, Tamara C, uh, Miriam J, and Victoria L. Tanya D, go right ahead. You'll be followed by Leah S. Good morning. This is Tanya D, recovered compulsive reader in uh, Illinois. And uh, yeah, to me, this paragraph really um, shows that our disease is not about lack of willpower. You know, this is quite impressive to uh, take a big risk on, you know, a hunch whether it was educated or not. You know, he says maybe the Lunacy Commission should have been um, appointed. But, you know, like packing up your life, going on the road, working on a farm, uh, doing the research diligently, like that all, um, you know, must take a lot of willpower. Um, And so if willpower, you know, was enough for bill to beat alcohol he would have done it you know later on when when it became a problem um and uh, you know like for me too i um had a lot of willpower and i was successful in uh, some ways you know outside of the food um but this is not uh, a disease that i can um beat beat with willpower um so i think that's all i'll say about that paragraph thanks for that i'll pass uh, thanks, Tanya D. from Illinois. Leah S., you're up for three. Good morning, everyone. This is Leah from Brooklyn, New York. And uh, wow, this is such a powerful paragraph. You know, easy come, easy go. Oh, boy, I hate the subject of money because money is a sore is a sore thing in my life. Um so, yeah, I've also done, um, you know, like in in my in my disease, uh, it, when I was really um, uh, uh, down about about my weight and and everything, I needed to prove to myself that I can do some other things. And I've also done some projects where I real I literally took away my rent money. I took away my I took away my food money. Uh I had small kids. I did things that that were absolutely, absolutely irrational. I had no there was no there was highs and there was lows and and of course there were highs and lows because I once I lost the weight I I, I wanted to eat and then when I I I finished losing and and when I gained a lot of weight hey I got to go on a diet again so everything was high and low up and down nothing nothing with a steady um, healthy boundary and and this is what the big book has given me uh, it's 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 taught me uh 
in the 12 steps to really examine what what is Leia and who is Leia over here and um i, I i'm not i'm not going to uh, i'm not going to do things like just on the sperm compulsively or impulsively right because of the moment it 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 just hit me i'm going to do it right and I'm not saying that i didn't do it right but you know to rationally um uh speak it out and 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 plan it out and um and live normally um so to speak and um uh, and with that, I will pass. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much, Leah S. Tamler C., you're up. You'll be followed by Miriam J. Good morning. This is Tamler C., uh, recovered in uh, Missouri. Um, I really, I really like stories, and I like to um, just like imagine it. And so here, I feel like Bill is telling this story of um, what he was alluding to in the paragraph before about this alloy of drink and speculation. So he doesn't mention drink in this part of the story. He's talking about his his speculation and his success. And he, I mean, he was really smart and really driven and took risks. And um, it all sounds very adventurous and exciting. And I can um, look back in my life and see how you know, when I would um, have the courage to apply for a, a new teaching job and get hired and um, be really excited and think, you know, oh, this is going to make my life so much better. Um, this was like that part of my um, alloy of the weapon, that destructive weapon. I would try to prove to the world and to God and the universe that I was important. And um, for me, it was my teaching career, my standing in the community, or my family, what they thought of me, or it might be um, my health, you know, I was kind of obsessed with um, trying to be ultra healthy, or having, um, you know, things like the right home, or car, or clothes, or hair, and, um, and then the other part, for me, of my destructive weapon that turned on me, for me, it was what I turned to to treat the pain and the fear because in this drive for success, um, it's it's never enough. And there's always that fear that the walls will crumble and the world will find out that I'm not worthy of respect and love and care. And this deep down fear that um, I'm really only worthy to be um, despised and pitied. And so there's just this constant drive. So I turn to food. And this is why... Um, Abstinence alone is not effective for me because I needed the steps to return me again and again to my higher power um, who tells me, you know, Tama, you are my creation. You are important. You are worthy. Just bring your pain and fear to me. I've got you. So um, I'm grateful that I get to be abstinent and I have the steps that help me deal with all this drive to prove that I'm worthy and, and, uh, and the fear along with it. Thank you, Alka. Great. Thanks, Tamara C. from Missouri. Miriam J. from Massachusetts, and you'll be followed by Victoria L. And just a reminder to everybody, we are on page two, very last paragraph. We gave up our positions reading through that one paragraph. Miriam, go right ahead. 
Thank you. Thank you for your service. Miriam J. from Massachusetts. Um, you know, for a long time uh, when I read this paragraph, I, I, I couldn't really relate. Um, it had nothing to do with addiction, really. Uh, you know, there's no mention of him drinking or um, or acting out. And then, you know, as I got clearer, I could see that, you know, he needed to prove himself right. He needed to prove that he should be, should get what he wanted, which is a position, um, and and to be respected. And off he went doing whatever he had to do um, to accomplish that. Um, he didn't really think about the consequences to his wife or anything else. He was just totally driven by this need, in my opinion, that I could relate to anyway, um, this need to, to prove to people his worth. And for me, um, that is one of those un- underlying motivations um, that, you know, that really brought me to my knees. I didn't believe necessarily that I was worth um, paying attention to, but I was going to prove it. I was going to prove it to myself, and I was going to prove it to you. And um, and oftentimes I was successful like he was. Um, but as a previous speaker said, the price for that was the fear and the insecurity and the constantly worried about they're going to find me out. And um, and that brought me to my knees. And so that's now today I know that's why this is in the story, uh, you know, so that I can recognize that the way that I lived brought me to my knees. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Great. Thank you very much, Miriam J. And from Massachusetts and Victoria L., you're next. And after Victoria, we'll be taking another list of names. So think about if you'd like to share. Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Victoria L. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater, and I live in Muncie, Indiana. Thank you, everyone, who's doing service and some great shares so far. You know, we all it's funny how we all read this and interpret it differently. So when I graduated from school, I wanted to be a stockbroker. So I got a degree in business finance, started working for Shearson Lehman to study for my Series 7, and they went bankrupt <clears throat> through the uh, corruption of Michael Milliken. And so then I moved to New York to become a stockbroker. And you know what? It didn't work out. What's the relation between the two of these? Well, two of them, two things I can see is like, Intellect does not solve our problem, right? So like, Bill, I love what the previous speaker just shared about like self-work because I really think that Bill was in self-will, self-will run riot. You know, he was running around pulling a geographic, trying to prove his worth. And meanwhile, Lois is thinking that <clears throat> pulling this geographic is going to stop his drinking. You know, I moved to New York. I've lived in New York. I've lived in LA. I've had great opportunity to educate myself about food and nutrition. No amount of self-willpower, no geographic that I've pulled, no studying of nutrition books has helped me overcome my overeating. I struggle with my food recovery on a daily basis. And the only thing that helps me is my connection to my higher power. That comes before everything. 
And I don't always like that as the solution. I want the solution to, I want to be skinny. I want the weight off my body. I want to eat what I want and I want to still lose weight. And, um, and none of that's really the solution. You know, the 12 steps for me are all about um, connection with a higher power who's going to help me in my life. And it says really clearly in the big book that, um, you know, we find this higher power who can solve our problem or all of our problems, including financial or whatever else is going on in our life. And so I know for me, when I concentrate on a daily basis of doing my morning prayer and meditation and turning my will and life over to God, and um, and I use that power to help me with my food choices, right? I don't really have the choice. People will say, well, just don't eat for today or you know, I chose not to eat for today. That's not really correct. It's like, I, if I had that choice, I wouldn't be an Overeaters Anonymous. I need a higher power to help me make that choice with my food because if it was up to me, I would eat ice cream all day, every single day. And so I love these stories because it illustrates to me, like you know, like Bill was a super smart guy. He was divinely led to write the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which has helped so many people in so many recovery programs. And at the end of the day, he still suffered from a drinking problem that had to be overcome by his connection with the higher power. And, um, yeah, so that's it for me today. Thanks for letting me share. I hope everyone has a blessed abstinent day. Thanks so much, Victoria L. from Indiana. Okay, so we asked that. I'm going to take another list of names. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience to press star one if you want to speak today and give me your name. Hi, Lindsay P. Noah from Nevada. I got Lindsay. And who was the next person? Genoa from Nevada. Genoa. Gotcha. Genoa. And Barbara W. from New Jersey. Gotcha, Barbara. Joan Marie from Nevada. Okay, Joan Marie. Hi there. Who else on this paragraph? Third paragraph, page two. Of Lindsay, Genoa, Barbara W., Joan Marie. All right, let's stop there and we'll get started. Lindsay P., you're up, followed by Genoa. Hi, Lindsay P. from New York. Um, I felt like I could really resonate with this paragraph, so I just wanted to take a moment and share um, just the impulsivity and the recklessness of Bill taking off on his motorcycle just um, reminds me of all the times that I thought if I can just run away or um, relocate or change my environment or um, try something new that I would finally be cured. I was constantly blaming the environment, the place I was. Um, I thought that an impulsive decision would allow me to finally be able to find some serenity, but it didn't matter where I went. It, it, you know, the food always found me and the impulsivity always found me. And um, I can really relate to Bill and how he struggled with alcoholism and I struggled with eating, but I also struggled with so much more that this addiction brought on, such impulsive, impulsivity, 
hurting the people I love, just the destructive consequences of having an addiction. And um, I couldn't find solace in running away. You know, Bill might have found some pockets of success, and I could relate to that as well. But at the end of the day, when I was running on self-will, I would find myself back in the food, desperate, and the people around me were inevitably hurt. Um, So this narrative of Bill leaving with his wife, not really caring about the consequences for her, and um, saying that other people thought he was like, that he should be like a lunatic is really how I lived my life in a way, even if I looked like, or before OA, even if I looked like I had everything together, it was kind of like I was a duck, like on the surface, I looked calm and collected, but underneath the water, my feet were going a million miles a minute. And I was just like, I was just lost. And so if I was lost, I thought something else would help me find the way. And I'm so grateful that I found the 12 steps to finally help me find the real way to serenity. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much. Lindsay P. from New York. Genoa from Nevada. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Genoa recovered in Nevada. Um, You know, the energy of this paragraph, uh, I was thinking, reminds me of me with the next new diet. Um, I'm that person, when the next new diet came along, I'm going to research everything about it. I'm all in and, you know, watch out world. I'm packing up the house, the stuff that's in here. And and I think many times after uh, my husband going through this with me so many times, when they talk about the lunacy committee, it, you know, I think he looked at me sometimes like, okay, what really, what, this is what we're doing now. You know, I remember when somebody told me about uh, Dr. Atkins. I got that book. Um, I read it from cover to cover. Um, it was me. It was going to change my life. And I, I was off and I was roaring on my motorcycle, you know. Um, and, of course, I'm here today because every great idea and great new diet after that, I fell flat on my face. You know, um, I didn't understand um, that this was a spiritual problem. Um, but, but I wasn't just like that with the food. I was a person in my first marriage. I had to keep changing where me and my husband and my son lived. It's like, because over there, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be different. Watch out, you know. Um, and I was no different. I got there and on it, I was the same person. Um, it took me coming into recovery for people, for me to hear that saying, um, everywhere I go, there I am, you know. Um, wow, I remember one time me and my husband went on vacation, and uh, and I was going to be different. I was going to be vacation Genoa. Um, I was just really, and this was in sobriety that I thought this, you know, so I can be in fantasy land, whether I'm sober, abstinent, you know, using, it doesn't matter. I can live in fantasy land. I got, I got to get away, you know, um, but I always end up with me. I always end up with me, and I'm, I'm so grateful today that I'm not living in the highs, highs, and the lows, lows. I'm just living balanced today, for today so far, and I'm so grateful that this program was the salve that I needed to help me to just calm down and just live life. You know, the great miracle in my life is my relationship with God and has, and how God has come into me and changed my mind and my heart and rearranged things so I can live peacefully now, no matter where I am. I'm the same Genoa everywhere, and I'm so grateful to God for that. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great Monday. <laughs> 
Wow, thanks, Genoa from Nevada. Barbara W. from New Jersey, step right up. And you'll be followed by Joan Marie. Yeah, I'm Barbara, and I'm a grateful, compulsive overeater, and I was just sitting and listening to this, and I said to myself, load up and go. I was one self-will riot in my life, and I uh, was very dependent, and I am so blessed that uh, I was, I'm able to lay aside uh, alcohol and have a food plan that is decent for me to work with and eat. And I was one lady at age of 15 that I was drinking, I was, and I was eating like glutton, working in the grocery store and just eating, and I had to have everything my way. It had to be Barbara W.'s way and self-will. And uh, and I'm I'm just grateful to God that um, at my age now, at 69 years old, last year I found this program for the second time, and I said to my God, I would not let it go because I know it's good for my health, my well-being. And people look at me and they and they see what I be eating, but you know, and I'm looking around, and we're gonna leave a we're gonna all leave a legacy here one day. We are. I really believe that through this program. This is a wonderful program each and every day. When I get up, I am so grateful to God that I have people that are in my life that is able to help me about this recovery. And I look at Bill. Bill had a drinking problem. I had one too. It was terrible. But you know, AA was good. Now I'm in OA. So this is a wonderful, and that big book, that big book, I couldn't give it up for nothing in the world because that big book that we are reading is helping me with everything, not just the food. I used to smoke. It, it took that away from me way back, years ago. It has brought me a long way. And my son and, and my family are just proud to see how I'm just going along with the program and the people that I meet. Some people let, I let go of. Some people you don't let go of. This is part of life, but I'm just thanking God that this recovery is there for me each and every day, and the people that are in the groups, I listen, and I listen, and I listen, and I'm learning more and more about Barbara, and I'm enjoying, and thanks for having me on the front row this morning, and thanks for letting me share, and have a blessed day, everybody. Uh, thanks, Barbara W. from New Jersey. Yeah, Joan Marie from Nevada, you're up next, and then we'll have room for several more. Good morning, everyone. It's very early here in Nevada, and I'm really glad to be on. What wonderful shares. Um, I love when I get up early enough to hear you guys on the East Coast. So um, what I get from this paragraph is the bearing of addiction glaring right at me in this paragraph and it doesn't even say anything about um, being an alcoholic but this shows he's self-centered he's self-seeking it's all about me it's all about me I don't um, take into consideration of his wife or anybody else he's just seeking what he wants self-will run riot and um, what I get also from here is I was raised in an alcoholic home. So I realized 
through another program that I was addicted to excitement. If it wasn't exciting, I would have to conjure up something, conjure up something to make it exciting. I love now in the middle, living in the middle of the herd, that my life is so peaceful. And I forgot to say, I'm Joe Marie. I am recovered in Nevada by the grace and power and love of God. It was a miracle because I could not stop eating. Food was always on my mind. How can I get it? Can people uh, not see how much I'm eating, hiding, stealing, doing everything that's crazy? And now I live such peace in God's grace, and I'm so grateful. So today, everyone, have a beautiful, blessed, abstinent day, and I pass with that. Uh, Thanks, Joan Marie in Nevada. So who else? We have time for probably at least three or four, yeah, four more names. Go. Let's see who wants to share. David Florida. Okay, I think I heard David. Yeah. Who was? I heard Judy. Yes, somebody in between. MP maybe. Rachel KP. Rachel KP, got it. So I've got David, Rachel, Judy. Who did I miss? Well, actually, we've got plenty of time, just looking at, at the time. Who else? Anybody else on this paragraph? All right, let's go with the, this trio. David, you are up. You'll be followed by Rachel KP. Hi, David. I'm Fulton. Oh, yes. Yeah, um... Thanks, I'm glad to be here. Self will one right. That's that's like totally me. Um I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, did you hear me okay with the wind's on? Uh, yeah, a little bit of wind, but not yeah. not bad, David. But yeah. Okay. Alright, thank you. Um I'm really trying to tame this wild animal, uh self will one right. Uh, trying to tame it with the whips of, like, you know, pulling a fellow. Come on, pull a fellow, pull people. Do this, do that. I try, I'm trying to, you know, uh, oh, I can do this by myself, you know. Um, but I'm really getting getting trained, training. It's like, it's like I'm training a tiger here, a wild animal. Um, like, to, to, to um, you know, stop being so wild, you know, and, um, so training myself, I'm getting in more into it. My wife is also and um she's usually she's she helps she's training. She's like, Oh fellow, what we're going to meet and I'm like, ah, you know, gratitude and stuff. And now I'm like really into it now. I, I wanna go on a meeting share. I wanna call a fellow. At night she tells me to call her because I work overnight if I'm you know, if I wanna eat out and I actually called her. But I, and, uh, and, you know, it's really, it's, it's healthy, you know. Um, yeah, there's been some slips, but the, it, it's getting better, you know. Um, so I got to tra- train that self-will to be like, you know, um, to 
and go on the straight and narrow. Uh, turn that motorcycle around and back home to do the right thing. Um, yeah, so I'm making tigers and motorcycles, and I don't have a tiger driving a motorcycle. Anyway, uh, so just uh, just wanted to share that, and uh, I'm glad to be here in the morning, and uh, I pass. Thanks. Great. Thanks so much, David. Rachel KP, come right in. Good morning. This is Rachel KP, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, it's funny. The first time I read Bill's story, I was like, I do not relate to this at all. What does this have to do with me? And the more I've studied this book and done this work of the steps, you know, every paragraph I read, every sentence I read, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. You know, because it's not about the circumstances. It's about the underlying motives, it's about the thoughts, the thinking, um, the emotions, you know, um, and I so relate to Bill here, um, you know, as I read this paragraph about his uh, his motorcycle car um, adventure with his wife, I think about how when I graduated from high school and started college, you know, I, I packed up my 1999 Oldsmobile Alero, um, at with all of my things, and drove 11 hours um, east to Missouri where I went to undergrad. And people thought I was crazy. Like, why are you going so far from home? You know, what's out in the middle of Missouri? And, um, you know, I, I didn't apply for any state colleges because, or universities because um, I wanted to get away. I wanted to get away from, you know, my, my family and I wanted to get away from the food. Um, I, I really thought, you know, this fresh start, this is going to be it. This is going to change everything. You know, I, if if I can just find success, you know, then the food problem will be removed. And I was sorely mistaken. You know, I got to college and it got, it got worse. The disease, you know, it's a progressive disease. So it continues to get worse and worse and worse. Um, and, you know, this, the obsession continued to build and build and build because I'm a compulsive eater and I, and I was, I had no spiritual solution. It was untreated, you know, and I so relate to this, this desire to be successful, this desire to be someone. And I had, I had these plans. I had these ideas, you know, I had these very specific ideas about what my life was going to look like and what my career was going to look like, you know, and that was so self-will. I had no God at that time. And for many years thereafter, I had no God. I was running on self-will and it was exhausting and if anything didn't go my way, you know, I would get so upset. And, you know, now in recovery with a higher power, you know, I, I take the action and I surrender the results. And the results end up being so different from what I, I ever could have imagined, so much better in so many ways. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's a lifestyle that I'm so grateful that I get to live um, and I don't have to be in the food anymore, you know, when I surrender to higher power. Um, so thanks for letting me share, and I'll pass it back. Thanks so much, Rachel KP. And Judy, sorry, I didn't get a last initial. Judy, you're up. Good morning. Thank you for, um, thank you for your service. Uh, when I, when I read this paragraph, um, I'm thinking to myself, that Bill is very, very intelligent. I mean, some of us, we, we kind of are born with um, attributes, right? Well, 
you know, some of us tend to be the followers of the workers and some of us just have these qualities of leadership and ability of, of intellect. And Bill is very, very smart. I can see that. And when I, I, this idea, what he did, I don't think it's lunacy. You're young, you take a risk, you have an idea. Um, it's not like he has small children. It's just he and his wife. And despite people, the naysayers, he goes ahead with this idea and it is successful. He, he profits from it. He was wealthy at the end of it. Um, when he, when he took his, his reports back to wall street, and this is how many, many self-made, you know, people of wealth become that way because they take the road less traveled. So the only, so I see all these leadership attributes in bill I think they, he, he's had them, whether he was when he was a drunk and when he was sober, because he was a leader in, he stood out as a leader in, in AA and founding it and writing this book. He was a gifted writer. Um, the problem was he had the disease. And that was, you know, every, every one of us is unique, a distinct entity. So for him, it was the disease itself that destroyed him. If he had was not born or did not have this this, this um, physical this allergy of the body and mental obsession of the mind, which all of us share, I think he would have been a, a real leader in Wall Street. So um, that's my view. I do think when he writes about emotional sobriety and his depression, I guess it would be very depressed for him to realize where he could have been had he not been you know, born with this disease or had he not been, you know, suffering from the disease and the emotional sobriety he talks about are his false dependencies. When he's sober, he realizes that we don't live for the material world. We, we, you know, his heroes were the business people and the stockbrokers. And, you know, when we, when we look at that as the everything and all and everything in life, um, you know, we, and we don't get that. Um, you are never uh, happy, joyous, and free. And um, the depression that he he suffered from for so long, on and off, um, may part of it may have been, you know, the idea like what he could have been had he not been an alcoholic. And then he recognizes well, all of those things he were dri- he was driving for and striving for are just, you know, false and, and dependencies of having uh, self-seeking, every, needing other people's approval, needing accolades and all of those things. Um, I don't relate to Bill in that sense because I tried a lot of things, but I never had a solid plan and I um, never had these leadership qualities. But I, um, I just, you know, he's one of those, uh, one of the people along with Dr. Silkworth and that I just admire Bill Wilson so much um, and I'm so grateful to him and thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Judy. So who else? We have time for probably three more people. Who else would like to share? Two to three people. Press star one to unmute. Carmilla G. Lisa J. Okay, so I've got Carmela, Lisa, and then Raquel. Let's see how much time we have for you, okay? So, Carmela, go right ahead. Thanks so much. 
Thank you so much. Thank you all for being on the line. Thank you for your service, moderator. <clears throat> Carmela G. gratefully recovered for today through my higher power. Bill had a talent. I had a talent. I thought that I could do anything, and I had a successful career, education, and my ego was the driver. I thought I, it was the I, I, I. I never acknowledged that the gift came from a power greater than I, and all I did was develop. My higher power that I call God gave me the talent, and I took that talent and I developed it. Bill had that talent, and he took it and he ran with it. But it took him using substance and falling a few times to realize that the power was coming from a power greater than himself. He had the talent, but he did not have the power. His higher power, he had to have a connection with a power greater than himself, and he had to acknowledge that before he could put down a substance. Because using a substance, be it food, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, is trying to fix the problem from the outside in. And we have to fix from the inside out. And the only way we can get in is if we go deep into our hearts and soul and admit things that we've been burying with the substance. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carmela G. And Lisa J.R., you're up for three. Good morning, Barbara. Thanks for your service. Lisa J.R. here from um, outside the Beltway in Baltimore. Gratefully recovered one day at a time. Um, I love Bill's writing. I love um, the way he tells a story. And he really, you know, helps us identify in, in page one, you know. And I, I really... I, I knew that I was like Bill in character when he said I fancied myself a leader, my talent I imagined. And then he went on, as was shared earlier, to take the steps to, to make that happen. But, you know, alcohol just found its way into his life over and over, um, and it started to really take a foothold. But he still worked at trying to you know, get there and arrive. And I, I laugh because um, how many times in my life I tried a geographic? I thought if I just went out and did something different, picked up a new hobby, uh, got my mind off of, uh, you know, whatever I was thinking at the time, because the mind is the enemy here, you know. And in this paragraph, he at least gives us a sketch that in my that was my last honest labor for many a day that he had done a thorough inventory as he's writing um because he he understood that but then here he goes he's at wall street he's got a position and an expense account and more money 
you know, right now he's he's in the plane and he sees the landing strip in view um, in the land of success validation and approval, um, just like I did so many times. But what happens, wherever I go, there I am. And um, the food, not the alcohol, was always there with me. Um, the obsessive thinking that drove me to the food in the first place. So, um, you know, really a chance to identify him with this guy. Um, you know, at first, like others have shared, uh, you know, I'm like, you know, gosh, I, I can't relate to this guy. And once I, I looked at it humbly, I, I feel like, you know, I am Bill in a sense, um, just the same, same behavior. Um, the same grandiosity and uh, inferiority going on at the same time. So thank you so much for letting me share. Thanks so much, Lisa J.R. And Raquel, we have about two minutes if you'd like them. Raquel from Israel. Thank you so much. Yes, I pressed one. It's a short time, and um, but I, I will do what I can. I haven't spoken in a while, and uh, I'm so glad. But I listen every single day, and yesterday, Sunday, was unbelievable. This lady who was born in the same place I was in Europe, in Transylvania, Elena. Well... In this paragraph, I identify with Bill completely. And that's why when I saw that my house, my home was really a very toxic environment for me, I picked up at the age of 13 and found myself a better place. I put myself under the care of the youth aliyah. Anybody who's on the line and knows how Henrietta's um, old from Baltimore, I believe she was, and her influence in bringing children from the Holocaust into uh, children's institutions. But mine was a kibbutz. It was a fantastic place. And I found myself parents who were not that busy trying to survive such a tremendous move to another country. And I became a teacher. But no matter how much accolades, it just didn't mean anything. I still was crying, and I still went for the food. And now, I went now to the other room to get the language of the heart because of a person who shared two people ago that Bill maybe was very sad about not having built the empire. that He, he did, for God's sakes. Instead of an empire of money, he built an empire of saving souls of saving people from under the bridge with an empty bottle on a rainy night and showing them what life can really be, the fourth dimension. Bill succeeded way beyond anything that anybody could have thought that this little orphan boy, people didn't get divorced in the 30s in America or in the 20s. And his parents separated. So he really had this all his life. I, I'm just, uh, I, I'm stopping it just, the language of the heart, uh, there's an article about emotional sobriety, and that's where he reveals, after all the years that he built AA, that he still depended, was a dependent person of what other people thought of him. 
and could not say the serenity prayer and really mean it. So I am with him. I'm still struggling, but I have 15 years of back-to-back abstinence thanks to this wonderful program. Since 1979, I struggled with it, but now, thank God. And I wish everybody a wonderful, wonderful recovery from God by His grace. And I love you all. Thank you for helping me share. Bye. Thanks, Raquel, from Israel. And thanks, everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. Um, let's see. Well, now, oh, today's share ID, let me give you that, is 21124, 21,124 for today's 7 a.m. meeting. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Carmela G., would you read that for us? A vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, Carmela G. again. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, I pass. Thanks so much, Carmela G. We'll just pause to stop the recording. <laughs> 